Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio, episode number 16. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And we are very excited this week to be joined by a special guest, a friend of ours for a long time, uh, a personality on Walk 97.5 here on Long Island, also a Disney podcaster, and the woman that Marty Sklar said <laughs> Walt Disney would have loved, yes! Christina Kay. That's my claim to fame right there. How are you, Christina? That's thing that's ever happened in my life like the <laughs> nicest compliment i have ever gotten in my life so yes i am great i'm so excited because we talk about disney all the time like off the air so getting to do this the three of us together is really cool we're so happy to have you on I'm thank you excited. for coming yeah it's been a long time coming but uh finally the schedules all yeah in between up. your disney trip my disney trip yeah <laughs> we made it happen <laughs> your multiple disney trips <laughs> Well, I mean, you, but you, uh, you, your Disney fandom goes back a long time. You, you got your family is is one of the original DVC members. One of the first ten DVC families to buy the Vacation Club back in '91. Like that wasn't even a a thing really that people knew about until like the late '90s, early 2000s. So yeah, they were one of the first families. That's wild. Yeah, Uh, and what what did they get a plaque? Yeah, we have our name actually in a couple places on property. Yeah. Oh my God! I gotta find this contemporary. Um, transportation and Ticket Center, Saratoga. Yeah, there's just a couple places. Yeah. Oh wow, that's unreal. That's amazing. Yeah. And you guys are probably paying like nineteen dollars a point. I'm sure Disney hates you. No, it's the taxes are a lot. I mean, I don't want to say how many points we have, but we have more than Glenn Close. We've been told, and Joey Fatone. So, job. <laughs> got problems. <laughs> Oh, man. And uh, that's about where my talking for the next hour ends. (laughs) Because there's a reason why we're getting this out so late on a Tuesday night. And uh, we are going to get it out on a Tuesday. So for some of our listeners that are on social media, Devin, um, you can't complain that we didn't get it out on a Tuesday. But uh, two hours getting up to this point talking about not only Disney, but Idina Menzel. When Jackie and I get together, it always somehow goes back to Adina, no matter what project it is or just her in general. So this, I'm just going to apologize in advance, Sean, for what's about to happen. I mean, you're, you should be used to it. It's 10 years of this. I He's mean, never really witnessed this, though. I have two phrases that I've prepared for this show. Okay, and I'm scared. <laughs> Those are both very appropriate. <laughs> Uh, so if you haven't figured out yet, uh, we're going to talk about Frozen. Yes. And, and just in time, because as it turns out, um, this today is the fifth anniversary of the theatrical release of Frozen. Crazy. To the date. And no, we did not plan this. We planned to have Christina on, and we knew this was the five-year anniversary of Frozen, but we didn't realize it was today, which is pretty exciting. I this also, is fate. Yeah, like, I can't is. believe that it's been five years since this movie came out. What does it seem longer or? No, it, it. You know why? Because the mania is still yeah, fresh. It hasn't died out. You know yet. what I'm saying? So like, it it feels like this movie only came out two or three years ago. I feel like this is one of those movies where it's never going to be stale or go out of style. Like it's always going to feel like it just came out because the hype is always going to be. Other movies have had waves, but with Frozen, I feel like it's a phenomenon. It's a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. Exactly. So do we want to just get right into this thing? I think so. Um, 
So we'll do the plot, you know, for those of you who uh, don't live on this planet and haven't seen the movie. Uh, Frozen centers around two sisters, Anna and Elsa, the princesses of Arendelle. When we meet them, Anna can't sleep, so she wakes her sister up and requests that Elsa do the magic. They sneak into the ballroom, which Elsa turns into a winter wonderland, complete with a skating rink, snowmen, and snow banks, which Anna starts to jump until she goes too high, and in an attempt to save her, Elsa accidentally strikes her. Elsa calls for her parents, who deem that she has gone too far, and knowingly take Anna to the trolls in hopes that they can help. The grandpappy troll is luckily able to heal Anna, but in order to remedy her injury, he must also remove memories of Elsa's magic. He cautions that Anna's head is easier to fix than her heart, so they were lucky, but Elsa must learn to control her powers. Her father determines that in order to conceal them, they will close the castle gates, reduce the staff, and keep Elsa hidden from everyone, including Anna. As the girls grow up, they not only grow apart, but their relationship is almost non-existent, and Anna has no idea why. She doesn't understand why Elsa has cut her off, especially when their parents die on a sinking ship, and Anna is all she has left. A few years later, Elsa has now come of age and is ready to assume the role of Queen of Arendelle, so the gates open for the day of her coronation. Elsa is nervous that her powers will be exposed, but she manages to conceal them and get through the ceremony. At the coronation ball, which Anna has been so excited for, the sisters talk, seemingly for the first time in forever, and Anna tries to find out why the gates must remain closed. When Elsa refuses to tell her, Anna runs off with her new acquaintance, Prince Hans, and they swap stories about what it is like growing up as the younger sibling. Based on their commonalities, Anna and Hans determine that they are in love, not just any love, true love, and go to seek the queen's blessing for their marriage. Elsa refuses to give her blessing, and Anna continues to push her with questions, provoking her to a point where she can no longer control her temper, and Elsa's anger exposes her powers. In fear of everyone's reaction and that she will hurt someone, Elsa flees to the North Mountain and quickly learns to embrace the secret being out. Elsa feels free and tests her powers to see what she can really do. Anna quickly understands why Elsa has been hiding all these years and accepts responsibility for pushing her too far and inadvertently causing winter to set on Arendelle in July. Anna feels like she must go after Elsa to set things right and leaves Prince Hans in charge. She makes her way up the North Mountain, but loses her horse in the process and seeks refuge at Wandering Oaken's trading post and sauna, where she gets some proper winter clothes and meets Kristoff, an ice salesman. As the storm is ruining Kristoff's business, Anna is easily able to convince him to take her the rest of the way up the mountain to make things right with Elsa and bring back summer. On their journey, they meet Olaf, the lovable summer-obsessed snowman who Elsa conjured up as a child, and he joins them on their journey. When Anna finally reaches Elsa, Elsa turns her away immediately, but Anna persists she must come back to Arendelle to end winter. Elsa doesn't know how, and in her frustration, she loses control of her powers and strikes Anna again. Afraid of hurting her even more, Elsa conjures up a snow monster who chases the rescue party out of her ice palace. Once Anna and Kristoff have escaped, Anna's injury gets worse and her hair begins to turn white, so Kristoff takes her home to see his family of love experts. The love experts are in fact the trolls who were able to save Anna the first time, but this time Grandpappy is unable to help. As Elsa's magic struck Anna's heart, only an act of true love can save her. Kristoff takes Anna back to Hans for true love's kiss, but instead Hans reveals his true colors. He has captured Elsa and tells Anna that he intends to eliminate Elsa so that he can take the throne and eventually kill her off as well. Hans leaves Anna to freeze, but Olaf comes to save her and take her to her true love, Kristoff. As Kristoff tries to reunite with Anna, Anna sees Hans approach Elsa with a sword and goes to save her, sacrificing her own chance at safety. This act of true love thaws both Anna's literal frozen heart and Elsa's figurative one, and Elsa realizes it was love all along that controls her powers. She restores Summer to Arendelle and promises Anna that she will never close the gates again.
What are you looking at me for? I'm like, I'm going to talk the rest of this episode. <laughs> I'm just here to control the board at this point. You know what I was thinking when you were reading that? Do you remember the very first time you ever, either of you ever saw Frozen? Yeah. It's funny. We were actually talking about that the other day. I remember the first time I saw the trailer and we compared it to Coco. How hmm. the trailer is not at all what, what you're getting. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's just like so much better. We had no idea what we were getting into. Yeah, because I remember seeing it and I felt for the first time in an animated movie that I've seen, there were plot twists. Like yeah. the whole Hans thing, the whole sister leaf. I was not expecting that at all. So I remember sitting in the theater like hitting the seat like, what? Huh? I remember just going into this and just being excited that Idina was yeah. getting her due. I mean, she had her little role in Enchanted. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you know that. I mean, you probably do. This is really for Sean. Is this about Tangled? No, I know yes. about Tangled. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know about Tangled. Oh, my God. That she was supposed to be entangled, but her voice was too big. So they put her on hold. And wow, was it yeah. worth it. But and you also know because of her voice and the way she was singing, they wrote Let It Go. And she was no longer going to be a villain because Elsa was supposed to be a villain in Frozen. Yeah. The concept art for Elsa was completely different. Yeah. She actually... Um, I'll have to find pictures of it and post it on our social media. She actually looked like Isma a little bit from uh, oh, Emperor's yeah. New Groove yeah, yeah, yeah. with the dark hair and the really heavy eye makeup. Yeah. But thank goodness they wrote Let It Go and changed it because the movie, without Let It Go and without the spin that they put on it, it would not have been as big of a success as it is. Absolutely. Now, it's, it's interesting that you talk about... Um, this being one of the first that really had plot twists when you when you yeah. break the script down that's exactly what my mind goes to is this for all intents and purposes is not one of your more predictable disney films mm -hmm. this is a very well constructed film um that until you've seen it really does leave you guessing yeah and uh that's what impressed me when i saw this movie for the first time um, and I just remember thinking that it's, you know, uh, when they say beware the frozen heart, when they, when they open up that, that first song, it's not until you've seen the movie a couple of times yeah. that this is another movie where they foreshadow what's going to happen for the entire movie within the first minute and a half. Absolutely. Oh, they tell you the whole plot. Yeah. But you're not, you're just like, what's going on? What, what's happening? What are they doing? Well, the, and it goes back to, it goes back to what we mentioned before about the trailer. The trailer made it look like it was a movie about a snowman and a reindeer. Which I was cool with. Yeah. yeah. I, I was cool with that. But, but <laughs> there was so much mystery behind the trailer because you really didn't know what it was going to be about. And I remember when we went out to Disney World, right before the movie opened, there were, um, there were meet and greets with the characters and there was no line. Yeah. Nobody, including us, we skipped it. Um, that no, was dumb. That nobody went over there because people saw Anna and Elsa and and some of the other characters other than Olaf. And even then it was, oh, that's that snowman from that thing. Like nobody yeah. knew what, and nobody knew who any of these characters were. And then the second the movie came out, they pulled Olaf from the parks because the line was so crazy. They only had him out for Very Merry and then they pulled him the second half of Very Merry's because it was so chaotic. And it wasn't until like, two or three years later that he started doing meet and greets and it was first in Disneyland and we were just talking about how in Disneyland nobody cares there's not a big deal with characters so like it was okay there but the minute he went to Disney World pandemonium it's like a rock star it was oh, a yeah. rock star um so I mean 
I, I don't have much else to talk about when in terms of the script, really. Yeah. I did, I did though. Um, I think I found a plot hole. It took me five years. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> I thought you weren't going to talk. <laughs> I'm actually very interested because I want to see if we can fight. This. I'm not. I thought he wasn't going to talk. <laughs> It took five years, but I actually think I found a plot hole because right. I've I've watched this movie. I've watched this movie so many times, and to me, it was always like a perfect Disney movie yeah. because I really couldn't find any fault with it. But I think I actually might have, and and you may be able to argue this. I'm ready. I I don't know, but the thing because it's it's sort of the whole idea is sort of up in the air. The only thing that could unfreeze her heart was an act of true love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kristoff willingly bringing her back to Arendelle and letting her go should have thawed her frozen heart. But I wonder, but I wondered as I'm watching it, I'm like, is this enough or did it have to be something that she was involved with directly? And I guess that's where it's not necessarily the plot hole that I thought. It's funny you say that because you're not the first. On my other Disney podcast, I actually had a listener write in about that. And they're like, well, if Kristoff and Anna are true love, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it was an act of true love. I, I think he, like, didn't want to do it, honestly, but she was dying. Um, also, he, everything that happened after he dropped her off was so pivotal to the movie. It was Hans turning his back, and you found out he was a bad guy. Like, you needed to find that oh, out. Oh, yeah. The movie couldn't yeah, exist if any of that happened. Right, so, right. Or if any of that didn't happen, That's I anything say. with a Disney movie, like, or an animated movie or anything in the world of fantasy. You're going to find a flaw. But if that's the flaw you're finding, then we're okay. Right. Well, that's why I, I said it's 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 sort of it's it's unclear. They're not really clear whose act of true love. Yeah. You know, and that's that's why I said this this makes sense. Here's, but of course, if that were the case, the rest of the movie doesn't exist. But it was probably, it something she had to do? It probably was something like Elsa, like Elsa related, because Elsa's the one who struck her. So maybe it had to be something between her and Elsa. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I kind of think it could be both because. Although I lean to the side of Elsa because I feel like if it was Kristoff's act of true love coming back to save her, she wouldn't have necessarily fully frozen in the first place because she sees Kristoff before she sees Hans going after Elsa. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if Kristoff was enough to save her and seeing that he came back for her, that would have been enough to not make her freeze in the first place. So I think the act of true love had to be more about Anna sacrificing herself for Elsa. Because that in turn also makes Elsa realize that it was love all along controlling her powers and that she shouldn't fear them, she should embrace them, and having somebody that has her back is what's going to help her control them. Mm-hmm. So I think I kind of think it was an act of true love for both of them. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Something that Anna also had to do, like she was the one who could really perform that act of true love. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you bring that up, though, because that's not at all where I thought you were going with it. For as much as I do love this movie and as many times as I've seen it, I feel like there are a couple of unanswered questions. Um, and I'm hoping, I'm sure that they will address them in the sequel. Um, there are things, I don't want to say that they bother me because it's not enough to ruin the movie. And I think that with a story like this, with any Disney fairy tale, there are things that you do just kind of have to accept that you don't necessarily get an explanation for and that kind of just belong in the world. Like, for example, where do Elsa's powers come from? And they do kind of 
allude to it because when her father brings Anna to the trolls the first time to save her, um, they ask, was she born with them or was she cursed? So I think it's kind of a given that like magic exists in this world, but it's surprising that we never really got an answer as to why. Well, here's the thing, too. The parents are gone so quickly in the beginning of the movie. I would love to see them do some kind of a prequel, especially with all those. Have you seen those fan theories about how all these movies are intertwined with each other? Yes, that they're Tarzan. Yes, there's Tarzan and Tangled yeah. mm-hmm. and all this stuff. I would love to see if that's if that's what Disney intended. I would love to see something that explains that, and I'm sure your answer would be there in that movie. And yeah. you do you do get the cameo with uh, Rapunzel and Flynn Rider. Yes. Which everybody has seen. That's if yeah. you haven't seen it now, you you've probably same thing. What 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 rock have you been living under? Because that that has been something that was so talked about, and people used it as a narrative to drive yep. home this idea that everything was in the same universe. I just remember when this movie started, um, when we watched for the first time, I and you had the opening number. I thought to myself, this is this has a feel of old school Disney. Yes. Like it felt like an old school Disney Absolutely. movie. And the next thing I thought was, where's the snowman? <laughs> just because <laughs> because that's that yeah, I keep going back to that trailer and like yeah. we rewatched the trailer like a night or two ago thinking like is this in our head or was this really that like was there such a mystery behind this and even watching the movie as often as we have because I would say that when this movie came out on DVD and Blu-ray there was probably a three month span this is the truth there had to be a three month span we watched it every single day Oh, yeah. yeah. Or at the very least, you know, you just put the DVD on while you're falling asleep. It's something to go to sleep to. Sure. But that was every night. Yeah. See, and- for, for me, too, I saw it about four times in theaters. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then so I, when I got it on DVD, I was like, I'm going to buy two copies because I still live in the world of VHS where I used to go through copies and then it was so hard to find it. I mean, at dinner, we were talking about the Disney vault. Um, so I got two copies of it. So I was like, I could watch this all the time. So I literally had it on every day for as long as I can remember. Yeah, at this rate, you'd you'd kill the machine before you kill the disc. <laughs> Didn't even think of that. <laughs> and I feel like you're not the only one. Yeah. Oh, no. We and we talked about the mania just hasn't ended. And we're kind of jumping the shark a little bit because you always wrap up the show with does it hold up? But I mean the movie is so fresh that it, you don't have to ask if it holds yeah. up. But to the point where when you have the songwriters, the Lopez's, and you have Kristen Bell and Idina Menzel literally apologizing to parents because they've had to listen yeah. to the soundtrack so many times. Like, other than Toy Story, when the original Toy Story came out, I can't remember a Disney film that had a stranglehold on society for as long as this movie's had a stranglehold on society. You know, Beauty and the Beast and Lion King were two of the biggest soundtracks, um, but they didn't they didn't ha- it wasn't a phenomenon and i don't think it's because it came out in 2013 where everything's everywhere and you have the internet i really genuinely think it was the plot and the music and the talent and i was thinking about this on my way here i think this is the most well casted movie disney has ever done absolutely you have some of the biggest people in this movie and with that said can i can i just tell you my pet peeve of frozen Jonathan Groff, who, if you don't know Jonathan Groff outside of Kristoff, he is so talented. Spring Awakening. Why does he only have Reindeer are Better Than People? Yeah. Why is that his only song? Yeah, he didn't get a lot of love no. from the voice department. Not at all. I'm sorry. That is just, I have to get that off my chest. <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting that for as much as we love 
and obsess over this movie. Like there, there are certain issues yeah. with it. But it's funny you brought that up about the Lion King and Beauty and the Beast because both of those had like second lives on Broadway mm-hmm. too. And Frozen obviously has its Broadway show now, but like I, I agree with you. I feel like the phenomenon is so much yeah. bigger. And I think, I think you're right. I think that has a lot to do with the cast, especially now because, you know, Josh Gad has done so much since Frozen and I feel like Kristen Bell is everywhere. Like she, she is so such a presence on yeah. social media, but you know, even even that, even without it, I think if this m- film came out when we were kids, like if if it was this instead of Little Mermaid, I think we'd yeah. still be talking about it the same way, and it yep. would still be fresh and relevant, and people would obsess over it. It's, but you had a good point too, where it just fit into these classic Disney. When you think of Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, I I clump Frozen into it more than I clump it in with Tangled and Princess and the Frog. I clump Frozen mm-hmm. into the more original movies. Well, because Frozen has so much going for it. I mean, we we've talked about the script, and we'll get into the characters and the music in a couple of minutes here. But in reality, when you when you look at the the classic Disney films, they are those we we talk about it every week. We you know not every week, but we talked about it a few times. That classic Jeffrey Katzenberg. Uh, what is it? Classic story with unforgettable characters. Yeah, it's that, but you have to have a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you really, the, when you, you talk about the movies that we just spoke about, right? Mm-hmm. Toy Story had a little bit of a soundtrack, not a huge one, but a little bit. Yeah. But Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and Frozen. When you've got a fun story with groundbreaking animation, yeah. which all of them did, yeah. and, and then you pepper in, um. Not only a, a a likable soundtrack, but it's an immortal soundtrack. Like mm-hmm. it's it's never going to it's yeah. never going to die. Not that not that you want to see it die away, but um, there are songs in like Toy Story, some of those secondary songs that you forget about because right. you just think about you've got a friend in me, and then you're like, oh, I will go sailing no more. Right? That's exactly yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. That was the other big one. Yeah. Um, in that in probably is it's probably the most powerful moment in that movie. And you yeah. go, oh, that song, but you don't, you forget the name of it. Right. But you, you can rattle off. Not only can you rattle off, but you can almost sing word for word every song on this soundtrack, mm-hmm. the same way you can with those other movies. So it's sort of that perfect storm of everything just hits. It does. And they did. They did so many Frozen sing-alongs after this. Like they put it back in theaters <laughs> where you could sing along. I was there. And then at the parks. Um, at MGM, yeah. they have the Frozen show, which we love. If you've never seen that, go take a look at it. it there's something in it for everybody. Like, it's yeah. not just the songs, but the storytellers at the beginning make it so funny for the adults, too. They're well, hilarious. They make it or break it. it. Yeah. That's what I love about this soundtrack, because the kids are going to sing Let It Go. And yes, that is a cultural phenomenon. When they play that in the parks, I don't know if you guys know this, but in any of the shows that feature Let It Go, it's actually louder mm. than the rest of them because everyone sings along to it. So they mm-hmm. actually make that louder on purpose. I have a friend who works in that and told me that. I was like, that's so cool. That's um, amazing. Yeah. Um, but when you look at a song like Love is an Open Door, all the proposal videos you got from Love is an Open Door, that's from the adults. Right, so right. It's, it's this phenomenon across the board. Obviously, Let It Go appeals to the kids, the adults. And Walt is very encouraged about he's, this film as well. He's like singing Let It Go over there. I don't know. <laughs> Are you singing, baby? <laughs> I remember the first time I really saw the mania that was Frozen. We went to, um, in Huntington Village, 
uh, a couple of times a summer, the town sponsors movies on the lawn. Mm -hmm. That's right. Okay. So we went, not that we hadn't seen the movie a hundred times to begin with, but they did Frozen. And it was a night I was working in Huntington at the time. And it was a night where I was getting out of work at six o'clock and it was the middle of the summer. So they weren't starting the movie until like eight. So we met down there at Heckshire and they have a big inflatable screen and when Let It Go, first off, the kids sang every song, mm-hmm. but when Let It Go came on, I remember I could not actually hear the movie. And they had huge speakers with a very powerful PA. All I could hear was the sound of children between the ages of three and how old were you at the time? <laughs> Singing this song. That's me. <laughs> but but well but it's the truth, right? Well but but is it the truth? Like it was so loud. And that's why I, they make it louder in the park. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I would liken it to like a national anthem at a sporting event. It was that loud. Yeah. yeah. And I remember thinking, this is here to stay. Like this is for real. Whenever you say to someone, okay, name three Disney songs, Let It Go is probably going to be one of them. Yeah. And if it's not, where are you? Where have you been? So I feel like now's as good a time as any to just get it over with and talk about the music. Get it over with, he says. Oh, my heart. I just talk about the music. We'll we'll get back to the characters in a few minutes. Well, because he knows we could spend 45 minutes on Let It Go all by itself. I'm trying to like keep this thing moving here. We actually haven't even really mentioned Adina Menzel yet, so we're doing good for like a half hour I think we have been extremely well behaved. Just wait for it. Okay. (laughs) Um, As I said before we came on, I'm scared. Um... So the first song, Frozen Heart, it's it's not a long song, but as I said before, it does foreshadow the entire film. And I, as I said before, at the risk of repeating myself over and over again, it was at that point that I felt they really was that old school Disney yeah. movie. And I, I don't know much about the Lopez's other than they wrote the music for this and they wrote the music for Coco. Book of Mormon. That's how, that's yeah, that's, that's really their claim to fame. Why they got this movie came to be. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And but how I, Josh Gad yep, came yep. about. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. But I would have to imagine that they probably have a huge respect for the original old school Disney oh, yeah. movies. It shows. It, it, because it has the feel. Yeah. It absolutely shows. And um, out of that, you go right into Do You Want to Build a Snowman, which is the other song that everybody sings. <sighs> I saw the movie for the first time like a couple of days after my grandfather passed. So that whole song, that whole number destroyed me. And I'm a twin sister. And at the time we were having like issues. We were so close. And then all of a sudden we weren't. So that song is the most relatable thing, even though it has nothing to do with snowmen for me. And I feel like there are so many other people that feel that way as well. Yes. This wow, dog is really so, hit home for you. Yeah. This dog is like he's so emotional. He's so into this right now. It's frozen mania, is what it is. <laughs> Even the dogs have it. <laughs> He's all about Sven, let's be real. <laughs> What's he going to do when we talk about Oliver and company? <laughs> He's going to sing along in the background. He might have to. Um, so, is the, I mean, does that does that stay with you? Yeah, absolutely. Every time. In fact, I watched it last night. I've seen this movie. I can't even tell you how many times. But watching it last night, to this day, I was crying. And every time I hear that, when I see Adina Menzel perform it, or I just I just hear it wherever, especially this time of year, you're hearing, do you want to build a snowman a lot? That's one of those memories that, which is the power of Disney music. I can't really think of another, I mean, I can think of other Disney movies, but I can't think of too many other movies where a soundtrack like that has impacted me in some way. Yeah. But Disney, no matter if it's an Alan Menken project or the Lopez's, 
uh, Elton John. They just they just strike chords with you. I don't know. This move, this this song was ruined for me after a certain viral video <laughs> with a clip from Breaking Bad. I did uh, not see this. Oh, I'm gonna. Oh, ruin, we're gonna send it to uh, you. Yeah, I'll, Is, I'll, we'll, we'll watch it after. Am I gonna feel a certain way? <laughs> it's really, it's, it's funny. It, it's it's funny, but let's no, just it's say, not gonna ruin it for okay. you. Let's just say that for me and Jackie can attest to this. Every time you hear. Do you want to build a snowman? I just start bust out laughing. Oh, no. And for me, I'm like, <laughs> total opposite. We were watching it the other night, and he almost choked on something. That's how much he started laughing. Oh, my gosh. And the the other really funny thing, we didn't get to tell you this, is that when we were in California, we were having dinner at Chateau Marmont. And it was such like a Hollywood moment because it was our first night there, and mm. we weren't expecting it at all. But Aaron Paul did come oh in. Oh my gosh. And they sat him at the table next to us. What were they thinking? <laughs> <laughs> no, we were actually, we were very well behaved. We didn't say anything, but Sean wanted to like send him a glass of champagne or something and, you know, in hopes he'd come over to the table and be like, oh, hey, have you seen this video <laughs> of your character incorporated into Frozen? Because you got to understand something. At the time that we saw Frozen, we were obsessed with Breaking okay. Bad. Yeah. So yeah. it was, it was a perfect storm for me especially. Yeah. Um, but, Back to the song, though, in all seriousness, it is a very well done sequence because, you know, it just lends itself to the story so well because they're they're growing up and you see what's happening with this passage of time and Elsa being quarantined. That's honestly the only thing that bothers me about this movie a little bit. And this is more so than my issues with some of the questions being unanswered is that, you know, she's locked away and they do they do the throwaway line of, well, we're going to reduce the staff and everything, but like, how are they still living in the castle? Granted, it's big. How does she have no interaction with Elsa? How is Elsa not saying anything on the other side of this door other than go away? And I get the isolation, and really, without this, you don't have a story because then you would know that, you know, if Anna was able to get through to Elsa, she would have thought her frozen heart. But, I just feel like, really, I blame the dad, I guess, more than anything else, because he's the one who locked Elsa away, and that's where you get the conceal don't feel. Which which leads me to believe that the father must have some kind of power or something, or maybe his sibling did, because he takes this so seriously. And he knew to go to the trolls. And he knew. So I feel like there's some kind of backstory there, and like I would love to see that explained somehow. I, I think you need that, because that's really the only thing that bothers me about this movie, is that, like... I, I almost feel sometimes like this is more about the song mm. and having a good song than it is for the story because yeah. I just feel like it doesn't make sense to just completely lock her away like yeah. that. And that there's realistically, you couldn't just have no interaction with any of the staff, with Anna and with the rest of the family. I feel like Frozen 2 is going to happen, but Frozen 3 I would love a prequel effect for. I yeah. really would. I like how they use this film, though, to show that passage of time. I thought it was a creative yeah, way. Brilliant, yeah. That song set up the movie very well. Right. Um, and it sets up the soundtrack very well. Like yeah. there's, there's very little about this song and about this scene that I dislike. In fact, there's nothing about it that I dislike. Even up to and including her being quarantined away. And I looked at it. dying, you were cool with that? Well, it's a Disney movie, so you know it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, you know what you're getting. Both of them at the same time. <laughs> and you see it. We've oh, never actually so seen it. Like, we've heard about it after the fact, but like you see that ship go down. It's very similar to the Tarzan. What happened with Tarzan? I'm just saying. Now, the Tarzan, the Tarzan deaths 
where like yeah. like that was like the most graphic visual yeah. because you not only see the bodies but you see the blood. Yeah. Like I w- I remember thinking that up to that point the most disturbing death was mother 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 like that yeah. <laughs> that was That's up until up until Tarzan that was the worst yeah. one. Yeah, because you don't really see them. They just talk about it or it happened years before the movie takes place. Right. Um, well, I mean, that song is really great for the story to move the story along. Yeah. Um, the next one you get is for the first time in forever. And I feel Obsessed like that is the best character development for Anna. It's uh, incredible. You know, the first time I saw the movie, I was so focused on Elsa because of Adina. Of course. And then the second time I watched it in theaters and I was like, Anna's awesome. With like first time in forever, you really get to see it. Yeah. I and I love how they're both yeah. singing at the same time, but they're different songs, and then they sit like they have their own part, and then they sing together. Oh. it's yeah, it's a great All mashup. Oh. I remember thinking, "Wow, Sarah Marshall can sing." When we saw this, movie, <laughs> when we saw this movie for the first time, and I also remember thinking, and even more so now that we've seen the movie a lot, um, and even up to and including the latest uh, screening for us, for all mm-hmm. intents and purposes, I. I think they had to tell Idina Menzel hold back because I think if she would have first off, she can't go for it until let it go because that's her character arc anyway. But I also feel part of that was strategic because Kristen Bell sounds really good, but next to Idina Menzel, she's not going to hold up. Um, I think she does actually. I, I see. I watched Veronica Mars back in the day with, I don't know if you guys did with Kristen Bell and she sang a couple of times. She has a little bit of a Broadway background, so she can sing, but I feel like they wanted to give Elsa had to be the star and Anna had to be the quirky one. I feel like you can't have every song be so powerful. Like let it go is going to be that song. Right. Because typically for the first time in forever is really like your part of your world. Yeah. That's where, you know, she's she's singing about what she wants. Yeah. And in this case, it's that she's been locked away her whole life, you know, not necessarily because Anna doesn't have the powers, but she's still a product of Elsa's mm-hmm. powers and she's been locked away too and she's excited to just meet people and have people in the castle and then she starts talking about maybe she'll have the chance to fall in love. So I feel like this is supposed to be your big female number but because of Let It Go you do kind of have to take the back seat a little bit. But also I think if this song was so like powerful Broadway belty it wouldn't be the same. Right. So I feel like for Let It Go it had to be that way. Right, and of course, if you're casting Idina Menzel, you, you're going to give her something that she can go ham on. Oh, and she did. Right. Um, what I liked about this, too, just as a visual, and I like this song, and as I said, I was impressed with Kristen Bell. Mm-hmm. I think she, she does have a great voice. I loved how she picked up those ducklings and started singing to them, because it was <laughs> like, oh, we're singing to animals again. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, I felt that... I thought this movie did a really nice job of not so much incorporating a ton of Easter eggs, not the way that you yeah, get yeah, with yeah. Rapunzel, but yeah. the fact that I, I thought that they had these very little subtle touches that unless you've watched a lot of Disney films, right. you're not going to pick up on certain things. Yeah. And I thought that this movie did that very tastefully. And I think this film wasn't going to have the princess singing to the animals and be like those classic Disney films. It was supposed to be something completely different. And I almost feel like a a modern version of your classic fairy tales. And it was about the sisters. It wasn't about singing to animals and I'm waiting for my prince. Like I'm waiting for like the sister and togetherness and love and all that. What's interesting about it too, you know, you bring up that she's singing to the duck. 
it's funny because you see the character really start to develop during this song, not only with what she's singing about, about what she wants, but, you know, she's got lines in there. She's saying, don't know if I'm elated or gassy. That's one of my favorite lines of the whole movie. Right? It's one of my favorite things about Anna. Like, when have we ever seen a princess talking about, like, oh, my goodness. Like, you wouldn't see Snow White talking about her gas. Yeah. But, like... It's when we start to see that Anna is not your average princess and she's going to be this really quirky girl. And I feel like relatable. Yes. I feel like she's the most quote unquote like normal princess we've ever seen. And like they do such a great job of like bringing her modernizing her really because I feel like she is like our age like somebody that we would know she's adorable and there's a line in the movie too where she's like when they ask if she's like elsa and she's like no i'm just ordinary like that's one of the greatest lines and then hans is like oh yeah she's just ordinary yes so um i guess at this point we can go right to fixer upper um (laughs) (laughs) funny you've actually jumped two songs um love is an open door um I feel like that's where Kristen Bell really like nails her Disney princess status because for the first time in forever is great. But I feel like the duet, she just nails the Disney thing. Like, I don't even know what, what to call it, but it's just not that I didn't think she was perfect for this role already, but I feel like she just really owns it. The part where she, where they go, she finished, we finished each other's sandwiches. sandwiches. Reminds me of a Giselle moment in Enchanted almost. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I felt like that, mo- first of all, I love Santino. I mean, I've seen him on Broadway a couple of times and I love that. That's the song that they have together. But you're right. That is when you get to see, okay, she's a Disney princess, but also she's a different kind of Disney princess. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like even just the way she sings Door, I, I, I don't know what it is. It's just something about the way that she attacks it. It just reminds me of Ariel Bell, like all and the classics. And it's not a big belty thing. It's just yes. like a light princess thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I thought this was just a nice duet. Obviously, I can't break it down in the terms that you guys can because mm-hmm. I haven't seen Santino Morales on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> Santiago or Santana, whatever his name is. Uh, Good um, for you. Um, I haven't seen him. I don't have that that background with him. But I I can say that from an ordinary person's standpoint, <laughs> um, that I thought that this was not just a nice duet in that they both sounded well together, but I thought that the characters and the actor and actress just played very naturally yeah. off yes. of each other. Yeah, yeah. So when you get to the twist at the end when he's the villain, yeah, it made it so stunned. much worse. Yeah. Right. It made it so much yeah. worse because up until that point, I'm like, he's great. I love yeah, him. Yeah, same, same. And now I watch that number and I'm like, lies. They're all lies. <laughs> <laughs> no, and even like that little smirk that he gives her, you're thinking like, wow, like he's really smitten over her. And now it's like, yeah. he looks at her and it's it's so evil. Uh-huh. It's so evil. Yep. Yeah. But you don't catch that the first time around. That's what I'm saying. It was one of the biggest plot twists I had seen in an animated movie in a long time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I guess uh, I'm done. Are we, we going <laughs> to talk about it now? Yes. It, it's time. <laughs> we kind of hit on it before, but I think it needs to be said again that I was just so happy Idina got her due and that she got a huge role in a Disney film. Mm-hmm. What I was never expecting was this song to come from that. I mean, I, I obviously, you know, she has the voice, you know that they wanted to give her a big number, but never in a million years was I expecting this. Yeah. It's funny because I didn't see it right when it came out. I guess it came out 
Thanksgiving week. Mm-hmm. And I actually didn't see it till New Year's Eve. Oh, wow. I didn't want that long. My grandfather passed. It was a whole big thing. But my, I remember my friend Will called me right after seeing the movie. And he didn't know who Adina was. He never, he just knew that I was obsessing over the fact that the girl with the blonde hair in the Disney movie, I loved her on Broadway. And he called me and he said, her number like I was shook after. He's like, I was shaking. It was such a spectacle. Oh my God, you have to see it. So when I finally saw it in theater and it started, I'm like, okay, he said it was gonna be really good. I hope it's just like, you know, I don't want him to like hype it up. (sighs) I cried. I was like holding my heart. I was like punching my sister. It was everything I had wanted and more. I cried, definitely punched Sean a couple (laughs) of times. Um, In a good way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... What this sequence did for me, too, like, it wasn't just about Idina. I mean, she she was perfect, and I love the way that she sings it. But for the movie, too, what I was really questioning when I saw the trailer was why wasn't this a hand-drawn animation, especially because the trailer we got was Sven and Olaf. And not that this was right on the heels of Princess and the Frog, but when I saw the animation, I was like, well, they're doing animals. I'm wondering why they didn't hand-draw it. And after seeing this number... That answered my question tenfold because you couldn't do this hand-drawn. And that's that's not, you know, I'm a purist. I've said it a million times. There is no substitute for hand-drawn for me. But with this, I don't think you could have gotten that sheen on the ice yep. in quite the same way. Or just her, like, firing it out. And, you know, the when she, like, does the lift yeah, and the dress. Yeah. I, it it could have only been computer and this number solidified that. Um, and and it was just everything coming together. It's such a great character moment too yeah. because she realizes she doesn't need anybody's help and this is the first time she can see what she can really do. Yeah, and it's one of those, I relate that number to part of your world because it's a female solo number that is just so like empowering and I'm like kind of at a loss for words talking about it, although I talk about it all the time, but I want to do the song justice because there is a reason why it's as big of a phenomenon as it is. And I'm sure there are people listening. They're like, it's so overplayed. I'm so sick of it. But can you just step back for a second and watch that, that sequence again for, cause it is so well done. There's remember, a reason it's overplayed. Yeah. I remember when we saw this in theaters, it was the first time I've ever heard, not only heard, but witnessed a standing ovation. Yeah in yeah. a movie theater after a song. Yeah. Like, I was blown away because actually the three of us had seen her together. Mm. She did that live show at Post. Yes, Sean was dragged. This, before this movie came out. Do you remember that? I'm trying to remember that. Yeah, it was one of her Post shows. I saw her so many times. I, my friend asked me the other night at Madison Square Garden, and I'm like, this has to be like my 20th time that I've seen her. Like, the three it's... of us saw her at Post. Okay. It was like a spring show. This had to be seven or eight years ago, well yeah. before this came yeah. out. Yeah. And um, I remember thinking, wow, she's she's obviously very talented. And knowing who she is, because you talked about her so much, I was kind of, this is what I was waiting for. Yeah. Um, not that I have any huge vested interest in her, you know, at least at the time. I just knew that you loved her because you loved Wicked and we had seen her in 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 concert and knowing yeah. she had such a powerful voice like you know what you're gonna get but nobody expected this but also i remember watching it and forgetting that i was watching an animated character sing it like for a minute i was like i'm actually like watching 
this woman sing this song and it's unbelievable. Like I almost feel like I'm watching a Broadway caliber number on the screen right now. And you just forget you're in a movie theater. It totally takes you to another place, which is Disney does that better than anybody else. But for an animated movie to do that. Yeah. Which is a compliment to not just her, but also the animators. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I kind of teeter back and forth with it because there are times where I'm just so obsessed with her voice mm-hmm. that I'm like, that's my girl. Yeah. But there's other moments where the sequence is so good. Like yeah. when she first throws the stairs and she's like kind of testing them out yeah. to see if she can really do it, where I just get so caught up in the number that then I forget that that's Idina. Yeah. And it's funny because since we have started this podcast, I've been waiting to review this movie. I've been so excited to have you on to do it. And now that we've gotten to this point, I feel like I'm at, almost at a loss for yes, words. That's like. How I- I don't even know what to say about it anymore. It's just, it's perfect. It is perfection on every, it fires on all cylinders. You talked about when she creates the the staircase Mm. for the first time and she goes to test it. What I picked up on, especially seeing it the first time is like her giddiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like, and, and, and it's almost like, it's almost like a childish excitement and a, and a childish, like she's very like inquisitive. Like, is this actually going to work? It's like when you go on a roller coaster for the first time and you really don't want to do it mm-hmm. because you have a fear of heights and you have like that nervous laugh before you go on the first drop. Right. That's sort of what that moment in that song did. And just the way that she emoted it, it's from a from a direction standpoint to an animation to a music and, and, and obviously the whole thing falls back on her at the end of the day because you could have had this phenomenal animation but if it's yeah. not acted the right way, it's going to fall flat on its face. True. So really, this entire thing falls back on her. And the fact that she was able to, you know, carry it the way that she has, I'm sure that at this point in her career, she probably hates the song. But I, I, I honestly, like, I have to yeah. imagine, like, people... A lot of people get into show business because they want to be rich and famous, but there are those that just want to perform. I've yeah. never gotten the feel from her that she ever wanted to be rich and famous. I just think she always wanted to be a performer. That's at least me seeing her in concert, and we've met her before, and, and it was a very quick interaction, but she's so humble. Yeah. Like, I, I've always had the feeling from her, like, this almost became too much too fast. Well... I don't know if you listened to my interview with her, uh, I think it was last year, and we did talk about Frozen a little bit, and I was so nervous to talk to her yeah. about Frozen, because I was like, at this point, she's probably frozen out, and we were just talking about this at dinner, how many times have we seen her since, and she's thrown other songs into it, and kind of rushed it, and didn't do like an actual version, but she is so appreciative of it, and I think people just assume she's sick of it, and there could be some truth to that, there could be some truth to that, but I do genuinely think... She's like, I got to create this Disney song. Yeah. And uh, nobody would have thought it was going to be this big, but that's my song. Like, I got to do that. So I do think at the end of the day that it's at the moment for her. And she has a kid. I'm sure she appreciates it, it on that level, he too. <laughs> no, he doesn't care. So it's true. I told her, I was like, have you ever been on the, the Frozen Ever After ride? And she's like, no, I had to do voices, but my son doesn't want to see me do anything Frozen. So I was like, what? Are you kidding? <laughs> now, um, we talked before about you have DVC. We know you've yeah. been out to Disneyland. Have mm-hmm. you seen Disney Live at or uh, Frozen Live at the Hyperion? Yeah, sure have. And so you've seen this number, obviously. So I've it's actually, incredible. I've seen it a couple of times, and that's actually I don't know if you guys know this, but that's where they test out a lot of their shows for Broadway because before it was Aladdin. So every time I've seen it at that theater, it's been different. 
because they've been working out kinks of the live show. And then it got to a certain point and they didn't want it to be exactly like Broadway because then why would these people go all the way out to Broadway? So I've seen like three different versions of that show. That's really interesting. Did you see the version with the cape and the staircase? Yeah, the last one I saw, there was actually a wardrobe malfunction. She was like trying to turn into the outfit and I guess they didn't have it quite together yet. But the first two times I saw it, that didn't happen. Like she just kind of like had a snap and it went like dark and like snow and then she was in a different outfit all of a sudden. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, we haven't seen. Have you seen the Broadway show yet? No, I I'm working on it through my job. Um, Jackie and I were talking about this the last time we were in the city. We're like, we're not ready yet. We want to, but we want it to die down a little bit. I've heard phenomenal things though about it. So yeah, because I wasn't sure. Like, I know people who have seen it, and the 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 most enthusiastic response I've heard is it's good. No, see, and I kind of wondered, like, was this a cash grab? You know, because no. Lion King took. Well, I was going to say Lion King and and all those other ones took a few years, but I keep forgetting this. This movie's five years old. If it already. was a cash grab, it would have been like as soon as possible. Like they would have done it sooner than this. They wanted to do this right. There was a lot of pressure bringing this kind of a magnitude of a movie to stage and have people spend hundreds of dollars to go see it. I'm sure it's wonderful, but my fear personally about going to see it is that I've seen on Idina on Broadway three yeah. times now and to go in there and know that it's her character and it's not her that's my issue. I think that's the part that I can't face yeah we might have to go do this together okay, we might have to we'll go brave it together hands, just like <laughs> have a couple of drinks beforehand um yeah you have fun because I someone asked me I said, oh, I'm going to do this this Frozen podcast. And they're like, oh, are you going to talk about like if they ever did a live action of this? And I was like, I'm still getting used to the fact that this is on Broadway. Can we not talk about that? Because I said this earlier in the show. The cast is just so perfect in the movie. Like, it's so hard to duplicate. And anyone who tries, good luck to you. There is an added pressure there, I feel. Absolutely. I don't know that this works as a live action movie that's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of cgi that's for sure right and to the point where it's it's gonna be like so you kind of just did the same movie twice and probably didn't do it as good as you did it the first time that would be to make money if they did it in a live action that you can't you just can't i i yeah and broadway is different too because you can at least get olaf as the puppet right and that brings a whole different yeah yeah, it brings a whole different aspect to it if you're just gonna cgi him just give me more sequels then yeah um, you bring up Olaf. Um, we finally get introduced to him, which I again I thought was interesting that this this character was such a focal point in the trailer, mm-hmm. but you really don't get introduced to him until you're about halfway through the movie. Which is a good thing because I think if you did, you would forget about every other character because you'd be like, Oh my god, Olaf's amazing. I think he, he is I, great. I think he would be he'd be distracting for the rest of the movie, which he the, mo- the more I watch this movie, the more I hear lines from him that I never heard before. Oh, like, I- I'm- I've been impaled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a spell. Watch oh, out for my butt! Yeah. <laughs> yellow snow. No, we know yellow and snow don't mix. Like, just like stuff like that. Yeah, why? Yeah, yeah. why? Yeah, why? He hesitated. <laughs> He's such great comic relief. I mean, that goes without saying, yeah. but I think a lot of this is what Josh Gad brought to the performance. Oh, gosh. This is I'm convinced that the Lopez's, because they worked with him on Book of Mormon, he, they were like, here's the concept of the character, now go. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't even be surprised if they didn't give him any speaking lines to go off of. <laughs> well, a lot of it was improv, yeah. Oh, wow. I don't, I don't know what was 
in the script, what was improv, what he, you know, elaborated on. I don't know. But he's so darn lovable, too. Oh, my God. It's not just the comic relief. He's great. I mean, some people are worth melting for. Come on. That goes right for the jugular. He's the smartest one in that movie. I just want like to point that out. I just, I think he's the smartest one. He's really the fixer-upper fixer that can fix a fixer-upper. That was adorable. <laughs> that was adorable. <laughs> um, and he sings his little In Summer song. The whole tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. It's just, and I, when I, when I saw it the first time, I was laughing, but also cringing. Like, really? Like, yeah, not because it wasn't a good song and not because he didn't do a good job with it, but it was, I just remember thinking like, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and and when Kristoff keeps saying, somebody's got to tell him, I got to yeah. tell him. I, I thought that was so funny. The part of the movie where he says, it's a good time to stay in and cuddle and put me in summer and I'll be a happy. And then he goes to snowman because you're like, oh my God, he's going to say puddle. And then he says snowman. Everyone in the theater was like, oh my God. Because I thought that was going to be the moment that the song stopped and he realized what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, again, another great twist in the film that he just carried on with it. Yeah. But they show the puddle. That's where they really sting you. That's where it's just so funny. That's such a moment for the adults. Yes. That is, it was brilliant. Yeah. That, this movie, um, you can almost compare it at times to Shrek, where it's clear, it's, 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 no, 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 hear me out on this one. He's talking about the other studio. It's an animated it's an animated film clearly targeted towards children but there's enough adult related humor where it's over the head of a kid but the adults are still entertained by it. That's basically any animated movie though. When you really dig into an animated movie, especially Pixar movies. That's a good point. But I think that that I mean that's that's something that's more modern in the last say 20 years. Rather than you go back and watch some of the early Disney movies. Yeah, but even like Cars, when Mater spits out and he did what in this cup with the piston cup? Like, kids don't know what they're talking about, but adults are like, hysterical, you know? No, and you're right. Like, they don't do that, you know, there's no throwaway lines on the part of like, you know, sleepy or sneezy. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're not pulling that kind of thing. Um... But the next song is Fixer Upper, which I actually think is probably the most underappreciated and overlooked song in this movie. Because it's, it's shortly after, you know, Let It Go and the reprise for First Time in Forever. So then you get Fixer Upper and you're like, okay, now, now what's happening? What it, it, I would, The first time I saw it, I was a little disappointed. But then the more I watched it, the more I grew to love the scene. But I always hated that that's the last big song of the movie yeah like, why couldn't anna and Kristoff have a song like why what can i don't know i i agree with you because i feel like the music stops like three quarters of the way through the movie yeah. i feel like you needed one more at the end but i i agree with both of you because i feel like this song doesn't get nearly enough love yeah and i think it's exactly what you said i think it's because it is standing in the shot literally yeah. in the shadow of let it go but like you were just quoting it like i quote it all the time i say it to people all the time but yeah, it is a very underappreciated song. And it's a beautiful sequence. Like the, you know, the setting is really, really yeah. pretty. And then what they're doing with those like glowing jewels on yeah. the trolls and everything, it's pretty. And it's it's just so ch- tongue in cheek. It's yeah. like, how how can't you just love that song? Yeah. With, she's engaged to someone else and they turn. So she's a bit of a fixer <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or get I, the fiance out of the way. Not yeah. a kid what song I, at all. What I like about it is that they kind of do... And not in a way where they sound like they're standing on a soapbox. They bring it full full circle, and they're like, "Everybody's a fixer. Yeah. Everybody's got yeah. a problem." Yes, exactly. Without it become without it being too preachy. 
But I feel like that's the movie in general. There are so many life lessons there without it being, like you said, preachy. I don't know. I read into things and I, I don't know. No, but they do. It's true. Like what, you know, just from like three minutes into the movie, the first time they go see the trolls and he's like, the head can be fixed. The heart is not so easily changed. And even now watching yep. that, I kind of roll my eyes because it's so on the nose. Mm -hmm. Like it, that is the whole movie in, in one line. Yeah. Um, so in terms of your characters here, we talked about them so much when it came to their musical numbers but I think there's a lot to be said there for them, even past the music and starting with Anna. I know most people like to start with Elsa, but I think that the most important person in this movie is Anna. Mm -hmm. And she gets overlooked she because does. of Let It Go. And the, exactly. first, the first time I saw it, I totally overlooked her. But now when I watch the movie, I'm such a fan of her. Mm -hmm. Sometimes more so than Elsa. Because she just, I relate to her. She's so likable. One of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when her and Kristoff are in the sled and she's explaining the whole thing that happened. And she's talking about the gloves. I just thought she had a thing about dirt. Like, yes. it's just, yes, she's yes, so, yes. I love her. And these, yeah. you got engaged to somebody you just said? Yeah, keep yeah, up. Keep up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's like what we were talking about before. That is what makes her relatable. Like, mm -hmm. she speaks how people speak now. And I think, you know, She's great as an adult, but like you really fall in love with her when she's a kid too. Yeah. Like she's an adorable child and she's not annoying. Like even though she's supposed to be mm -hmm. that younger sister that's like ribbing Elsa, like do the magic. She's just so darn cute yeah. that you can't help but fall in love with her. She's not annoying at all. And then I love how they they make her grow up and like you still see traces of that kid mm -hmm. in her, but you know, that awkwardness is still there too, even though she's grown up and she is a princess, but like you kind of forget about that because she's kind of, I don't want to say ditzy, but like definitely dorky. And then she does have this whole other side of her where like she's really brave and yeah. clever, which like you were talking about when they're in the sleigh, the next thing that happens is the wolves attack and she's like right on it she grabs Kristoff's guitar and mm -hmm. she's smacking the wolves away and like he hasn't even made a move to do anything yet she was the one at the end who punched Hans off the boat too right like, right she's like I can defend myself one of the most relatable moments I've ever had to a Disney princess and I say that I think I'm Belle all the time but the most relatable <laughs> moment was when Anna wakes up in the morning and her hair is disheveled she's like, yes like that is me every morning every morning every single morning I was so happy they did that with the princess instead of making them all prim and proper like that. Well done. I think they definitely did it on purpose, but it wasn't like overdone yeah. either. She's just she's perfectly relatable. Yeah. And yeah. Quirky. And when it comes to Elsa, you you feel bad for what she's going through. Um, and you feel bad that she can't express to Anna why she's yeah. so distant and there's sort of been a an opinion formed of her that's completely inaccurate, which I feel like so many people can relate to. But other than that, at least for me, that's about as far as it goes with Elsa. You know, like mm. Elsa, I, I don't really feel one way or the other about her. Like the, she has to exist in the movie and obviously let it go. Hello, we just talked yeah. about it. But otherwise... As weird as this sounds, I find her to be the fourth or fifth most important character in this movie. Okay. You know, I actually have to agree with you on that one. I love Elsa because she's Idina, or she's played by Idina. But 
you're right. As far as a character goes, she is a tad one dimensional because the only thing about her really is that she's locked away. And it's like you were saying before when we were talking about Let It Go. And there's that moment where she's almost giddy. Like that's the moment where you start to like her as a character because now she doesn't have to be locked away anymore and she starts coming into her own. But then even after that, Anna goes through all this trouble and this is again where she's like standing in her shadow is Anna's the one who believes in her sister who she's got this unfailing faith in her that she knows Elsa didn't mean to hurt anybody. Meanwhile, she hasn't talked to her sister in like years and she goes to pursue her and save her. And, you know, Elsa, she finally gets to Elsa and Elsa's like, okay, thanks. You can go back to Arendelle now. I'm like, do you know what she just did to get to your castle? I see the struggle that Elsa went through the whole movie. There's that scene where they're talking right before the Duke of Wesselton goes over <laughs> to like dance. And they're like, I wish it could be like this every day. And they're talking about chocolate and saying you look beautiful. And I see the struggle she has because she so badly wants to talk and hang out with her sister. But she knows it's probably for her own good that she doesn't. And I see that battle that she's going through up until Let It Go. And then even after Let It Go that she's going through. So I think on some level she's she's quite relatable. Mm-hmm. It's she does have like an inner struggle yeah. throughout the entire movie, but it's funny you bring up that scene too. You could cut that tension with a knife. Yeah, but I love again with Anna. She's like, "You look beautiful." Or I mean, not that you look full, but yeah, yeah it's, just, it's great because <laughs> we've all had those moments where we get nervous and those words come out, and you're like, "Oh man!" <laughs> like she does with Hans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Hans, Hans is like a perfect serial killer. He reminds yeah. me of you know he actually who he reminds me of is Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. Ooh. Because he's one of these like very suave, well-spoken and, and kind of really charming and lulls you into such a false sense of security. But he is so evil behind those eyes that it's just like watching um, Christian Bale in that movie. Like he just lulls you in with that false sense of security, but you don't know what his true motivations are, and it's horrifying. His reveal is truly shocking for Mm -hmm. that reason because not only does he get you hook, line, and sinker, but like it's not just Anna that he dupes. He's like a great leader. When she leaves him in charge, like he's actually caring for the people of Arendelle. He wants to go find her. He's handing out blankets. Like he's a decent human up until that point. Because he wants to be their ruler and prove like, I've been leading you all along. True. He's just, he's one of those guys that like Taylor Swift writes songs about. Like (laughs) he seems like the perfect guy. And then he's the jerk. He's a sociopath. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, Kristoff is, he's good comic relief, but he's also just a fun character to have. I, I feel like he, he takes a lot of the tension away, mm. but also brings a lot more to the table than yeah. he's credited for. And, and Sven. I love the relationship oh, between know. him and Sven. And like, it, it's funny when the trolls call it out and they say the thing with the reindeer, like, he knows. He knows he's not normal, but he it's like you said before. He sings the song, Reindeers Are Better Than People. He doesn't necessarily want to be around people. He's also kind of your guy's guy, and I feel like he's very unassuming. Like, he knows more about what's going on than he leads on to. Yeah. That's that's sort of my feeling on him. I, for me, like, I... (laughs) 
I don't mean he's the dream guy with like he he has an ice business and like all that stuff, but he just represents like the guy that girls want at the end of the day. Not the prince, but like he's just the caring guy who's there. I mean, yes, he was judging her throughout, but he was still there and supporting her. I don't know. I just felt a certain way about the character. And they say off. that in Fixer Upper, he's the honest goods. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's been there all along. He has. And he doesn't want to admit it. He doesn't, you know, but but he is. And he's, to me, he's he's maybe the third most important character in this movie behind Anna and Olaf. Yeah. I, 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 think, I think he's even more important than Hans, and Hans ends up being the villain at the end of this. Right. And it could be because he gets so much screen time, too. Especially in the beginning. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. But, yeah, but yeah. what's interesting about him is he's literally been there since the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And what I didn't... And I didn't know if it was something that he couldn't remember, like verbatim or if he's holding back when, when he's like I've seen this happen before yes, yes. if he knows it's Anna or not yes. exactly I think he was too young to know that that was Anna I mean maybe they'll talk about it down the line but I, I don't think he's gonna be like I remember you because then we wouldn't have this movie and we wouldn't have this plot and... I don't know though I hope they hit on it because like I feel like you'd remember that hair with the streak yeah, but when you're a kid, are you really paying attention? That, especially a, a boy. Like, would you pay attention to that? That's no. true. Yeah. And seeing something like this where he essentially, the troll essentially brings her back to life. Like, yeah, the streak probably does get lost also, in there somewhere. Also, so much happened for him that night. I feel like the trolls took him in that night. So that's probably his focus with that. Right. Also, can we just talk about the fact that he's the voice for Sven? Like, he says everything that Sven's thinking. Like, that's what yes. I do with my dog, Randy. Like, I talk <laughs> for him. That's, when I saw that on the movie, I was like, Oh my god, I do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I sometimes talk for Walt though. I didn't need help tonight. <laughs> he did that perfectly on his own. It's frozen. It's a big deal. <laughs> what I love about this movie is that you've got such strong main characters, but we have to talk about the background characters because to me they steal the show. Like I love the Duke of Weaseltown mm-hmm. and Wandering Oaken. <laughs> Yeah. That yes, that whole scene, like he steals the movie for me. When when we went on the Frozen Ever After ride, I was with one of my coworkers for a broadcast, and he's gonna be fifty, and he was like, "Guys, is Oaken on this ride? <laughs> Oaken's on this ride." <laughs> Did you know that um, uh, the Duke of Wesselton and King Candy are the same yes. actor. He's yeah. done. He's got some voiceover career, man. Yeah, and he just did uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Oh, really? He's in that too, but not as it. but not as King Candy, as another character. Yeah, it's not. But a what's spoiler. amazing is that, at least with with that character plus the Duke of Wesselton and King Candy, he does not sound like no. the other characters. No. Like you would never know it's him. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Duke of Wesselton is just. I remember when when that when that <laughs> hair piece. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that was brilliant. Again, kids, it goes right over their heads, but for adults, that. Represents so much. Yeah. Um, but he's another one that gets overlooked. Like, he's another he's another character that has these inherently horrible traits. Yeah. But because he's so, like, whimsical mm-hmm. and so over the top, he hides it very well. And I think they set it up to make you think that he's going to be the villain in the movie. Like, something's going to happen to Elsa because of him. 
Right. I almost feel like it kind of tosses around the villain over three acts because you have him in the beginning and obviously he's, you know, he has that throwaway line of like, I'm I'm going to exploit its riches when they open the gates and all that. So they are setting him up to be the villain. Then I feel like in the second act, you almost think it's going to be Elsa because she's coming into her own and she isolates herself on the castle and you kind of, you almost don't know where she's going. And then what's crazy and what makes this movie so well done is that in the third act, it's revealed who the true villain is. And it, it's funny that you don't know who it is until almost the end. But there's also so much going on in the movie, too, that you're not even thinking about. How's this going to all play out? How's this going to end? That's why it blindsides yeah. you. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, is there anybody else that we need to touch on? Olaf. We didn't even talk about Olaf One yet as a character. One of the greatest, not even just Disney characters, but characters ever created. Yeah, absolutely. Kids, adults, I don't know one person who doesn't love Olaf. It's so hard not to. I, I just think, I don't know who came up with the concept, if it, we were just talking about this, if it was the Lopez's, if it was um, Josh Gatt, it's, it, like, he's so lovable, but I love what they did with him, too. Like, aside from the comic relief, just, like, to deconstruct him and make him break apart and his head's running off and his body's in another direction or, you know, they'll impale him and then he'll keep walking yeah. and he's he's just so great. I he's like something out of Tim Burton. Yeah. In that, oh, in that aspect. Yeah, yeah. But he's obviously, I think it's safe to say, there's literally, like, there's, you could have found a really good actress to play Anna. You could have found a decent guy to play Kristoff or Hans. You probably could not have found somebody to sing Let It Go like, like mm -hmm. Idina Menzel. But I don't think you could have cast anybody but Josh Gad yeah. for this. Because Olaf and Josh Gad are the same person. I'm convinced that Josh Gad is half Olaf. And half LeFou, which I know you guys will touch upon in Beauty and the Beast, but like he's just such a representation of both of those characters. And he loves it. Like, have you seen his yes. social media? I don't think anybody has as much fun voicing a character he, as Josh Gad. He's like us. He's on our level with Disney. Like, he's a Dis nerd. He has called himself a Dis nerd on interviews. He this is probably like his dream job. So he probably he probably didn't go to sleep at night. He probably was like rehearsing in the mirror, <laughs> like how he's gonna like deliver all these lines. And he's got two young girls. Yeah. Yeah. So he probably wanted to make this the best possible. Yeah. And he's and originally he from the East Coast of Florida. So he grew up yeah. going to the parks. Yeah. Which I think when you get a character like this, it's important to get somebody that has a history with the company in yep. terms of maybe not having done films with them before, but somebody that actually feels for the brand. It's like, yeah. I hate to say it because I'm not her biggest fan. I know you really don't like her. I don't know how you feel, but... You have to, and I know they used her for the Beauty and the Beast soundtrack, but you have to imagine Ariana Grande at some point is going to get a big role in a Disney film. Probably, especially because oh, she's not. such a huge name. I'm. She kept me off the Tower of Terror my last trip. She kept you what? I don't know the story. Yeah, she was there in the parks, and she because she was she was performing uh, at, at the, the Christmas show, and that's when we happened to be there. Oh, I so she not this past trip. Like, no, you can't. Not this past trip, but the one prior, <laughs> back in okay. 2015. She was a performer at the at the uh, Christmas parade, yeah. and it happened to be a day that we were down there, and I was the next car to load in to the Tower of Terror, and right before they loaded us in, 
somebody in the plaid came up and said, "Oh no, 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 no! Mm. You you have to stay there." And then here comes Ariana Grande with her with her mouse ears on. It was like her and six other people, and they loaded her in. They're like, "You're gonna have to wait." I no, was you like, know it's funny. I've actually rode Pirates of the Caribbean with celebrities like Michael Phelps right after the Olympics was behind me, and they didn't stop their ride. But for someone like Ariana Grande, she's probably with the level of her fandom, they have to for safety reasons do that. And at the same time, I do feel bad for celebrities. They just want to go to the park and have fun, yeah. and they got this whole production. So I do feel bad on their end too. I'm very sorry you couldn't go on Tower of but Terror. I used the fast pass on that. <laughs> They didn't honor it or anything? Well, I got on eventually, but the time I had to wait eliminated the fact that I had a fast pass for it because it had like a 20-minute wait. I love how this sounds like this just happened to you on this last trip because it's fresh. <laughs> it will always be fresh. It will always... That 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 scar will never heal. But I don't think they would use her now, especially with all the hype that's around her and the whole Pete Davidson thing. Agreed, Maybe yeah. eventually. I think she's going to have more of a Broadway career, whether it's Disney or not, before anything with the animation. I think... I think if you want someone who's a Disney fan, I think you should just call me. Um, I, <laughs> I'm available to do Disney movies. I don't know if I ever told you guys what my dream job in life is. I want to voice a Disney princess, and I want AJ from the Backstreet Boys to be the prince, and then I want the rest of the Backstreet Boys to be doing them. This has been my dream since That's so five. amazingly yeah. specific. That's a very Brian, specific Brian dream. Brian is a sidekick because he's like very funny. AJ has a beautiful speaking voice, so he would work very well with the prince, and they're very relevant right now, so I think this would be the time. Like, I'd be okay being a stormtrooper. <laughs> like, and, and this could be my audition. Hey, what are you doing? Because they have this is like very, like, very vanilla lines. Yeah. Like, hey, you. And then you get shot. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I'd be perfectly okay with that. <laughs> Where are your credentials? <laughs> That's all the stormtroopers are. I feel are. like I have a, an ornament on my tree that says, like, all those lines that you just said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Me? Not so specific. You? Extraordinarily this is, specific. This is, that would be my dream in life. I mean, my two dreams were always to to do my radio show from Disney World, which I've gotten to do twice. So now we just got to fix this animation thing on my bucket list. Like, that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, but in all, the mania is not over. The film holds up. Yeah. It's not going away anytime soon. I'm good with it. And we do have a sequel coming out next year. Which, it, as odd as it sounds, I feel like people are forgetting that the sequel is coming out next year. And it might be because there are so many movies coming out next year. It could be because it's at the tail end of the calendar yeah. year. But we also haven't seen anything for this. There's also like 20 movies that are coming out beforehand. Like Disney lately, and I know you guys have talked about this, is just dropping all these trailers and teaser trailers. And this movie's coming out. And it's it's overload. I'm okay with it, but it, it's overload. Yeah, there's a lot of live action in the pipeline. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think it's overshadowing this a little bit. I also wonder if they didn't do anything Frozen 2 related because of Wreck-It Ralph, because Anna and Elsa are in Wreck-It Ralph 2. Well, if you stay till the end of the credits, there is a little tease for Frozen 2. Uh -huh. Yeah. Do you know I'm literally going on my phone now to look at showtimes for tomorrow because <laughs> now I have to see this? Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were going to go see it anyway. Yeah, but not tomorrow. I'm interviewing Peebo Bryson tomorrow. I'm not supposed to go to the movies. I'm going to, like, blow him off for this. <laughs> Case in point, though, stay till the end of the credits, folks. Yeah, you always, won't regret it. Always. You should, I mean, if anything that Marvel movies have taught us, you never know what's going to be the last scene. Exactly. Yeah, and the last scene of, of Wreck-It Ralph, which you see at the very end, it's going to make your day. Really? I'll just... Oh, yeah. You, it's going to make your day. Look at the smile on his face. Yeah. It's going to make your day. Um... 
but uh, I, I'm interested to see what they do with a sequel. Because the fact is, this movie really doesn't need a sequel, but you know they're going to do one because there is just so much money people, to be made. The people also want it. Right, so I'm, I'm curious to see what story they can craft yeah. now. Because they had the short, you know, Frozen Fever. They mm-hmm. had the short that helped people for a while. Did you think that was a good short? I enjoyed it, yeah. I, I think it was good. I loved how, like, Hans was, like, just shoveling manure. Like, that's right. That's karma. <laughs> um, so, like, that actually, like, held me over for Frozen 2. Especially, I haven't really thought much about it because I'm like, oh, my God. We have Mary Poppins Returns coming out. And, like, I I just can't. I'm, I can't be spread that thin with yeah. movies. Like, I need to, like, focus on one thing at a time. Um, Speaking of movies coming out... We got a huge trailer drop this week on Thanksgiving. We got the Lion King trailer. It looks amazing. Yes. Um, If anybody is curious about how we feel about Jon Favreau directing a Disney movie, you can go back and listen to episode number three, our review of his take on The Jungle Book. Um, And that certainly got us excited for um, this version of uh, The Lion King. But let's call it what it is. This is not a quote-unquote live-action remake. There's nothing about this that's live-action. The whole thing is going to be computer-animated, so I wish that they would just stop saying the live-action Lion King because it's not live-action. This is just just upgraded animation. What made Jungle Book live-action was that you had Mowgli. So you're just missing that one character now. Yeah, and that's it. You also had some sets, though. Right, right. I don't I don't know that this had any practical sets and I mean maybe they did use some real animals in some of it. Like I'd have to imagine it's obviously the wider shots. I'm not suggesting mm-hmm. they got a baboon to break open some kind of coconut to put the paint on his head. That Rafiki looked amazing yeah. in the trailer. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. And he's one of my favorite Disney characters, so I was nervous and he walked up and was like, Oh my god, that's actually Rafiki. Like that was really <laughs> cool. Visually it looks stunning. Yeah. No, and I have faith in what Favreau did with Jungle Book that this is really going to be spectacular. Yeah. And um, we have a big rumor Mm. this week, actually for tomorrow afternoon, that you had let us in on while we were at dinner before we came on to record this. Yeah, Avengers Infinity War Part 2, the teaser trailer. Apparently last year it came out around this time. There is a big some Marvel convention tomorrow. And um, there's like five names that are going to be at it. And there's like a panel discussion. And the rumor is they're going to drop the teaser trailer at this. So, I'm, I don't know that I want them to, though, to be honest, because then I get so much anxiety, and I have so many questions, and then I have to wait another couple months before the actual trailer comes out, and then, like, you have Captain Marvel in the process, so I, I kind of want to wait a little bit longer, like, let me just get through the holidays, and then you can drop it, but <laughs> I know that the fans demand it, like, the Marvel fans are... And I think you need it, too, in light of Stan Lee. I think it's, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's a good thing to be out there now. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. But before we go, we do have some things we want to talk about. I mean, thank you, Christina, for joining us. Thanks for having that, me. I mean, thank that you goes so without saying. Out. But maybe you can plug some of your social and let the listeners know where they can find you. Okay. Well, the Disney pictures will give it away. Like anything with Mickey ears and headphones is probably me. Um, <laughs> all Literally everything that I have is at the Christina K. It's T-H-E-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-K-A-Y. So that's Instagram. That's Twitter. My website. All of that. 
Um, I am on Walk 97.5 from 3 to 7. There is an app that you can get if you want to listen to that. I do talk about Disney a lot, especially this time of year because we have so many artists like Adina Menzel that we play all the time because we're 24-7 Christmas music. We do play some like Disney, we'll like sprinkle in Let It Go, um, which actually I played the other day on the air and had like a complete breakdown for. Uh, it was a really nice request that I got for that. Sorry, tangent. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's where you'll find me. And I'll be in Disney this week, so I'll be posting a lot of Disney pictures. Oh, so jealous. <laughs> and of course, you can find um, links to every video or, or the links to every film that we review on our website, uh, com slash home. Direct links to the Amazon Instant Video. They are a great partner of ours. And Jackie, you have some. You talked about it last week, so but some more, uh, some more news on what's exciting and, and upcoming for you. Yes, um, I mentioned it last week. I am starting with a Magical Vacation Planner. Um, I can officially start booking your Disney vacations. So you can email me at j.zolezzi, that's Z-O-L-E-Z-Z-I, at MagicalVacationPlanner.com, and I can start booking your trips for 2019. And Yay! don't forget, for one more week, we have our contest for the Disneyland prize pack, including the pin from the Disney Studios. You can only get it if you take the tour of the studio. That contest goes until 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Monday, December the 3rd. All of the rules and the way that you can win and get entries are all up on the social media. Really, just make sure you're liking and sharing and subscribing and rating and Every day we're doing something different. So. Rating. Sorry. that That's the big points there. Yeah. I just totally punched you right now and I apologize. It's payback for Frozen. <laughs> it, you know what it actually is because I think, right. I think you drew blood that day. I might have. When that piano started that na 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 and it was like oh man like I've I've been bit by a crab before. I drew that before. too. <laughs> and it didn't hurt as bad as that did. Let me just say. It was painful. I deserved it. I almost lost the digit. I almost lost a finger over that. It's Idina. I can't really control what I do. Oh, great. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for joining us this week. For Christina and Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of. <laughs>